the uber-famous non-Christian Joe Rogan interviewed a popular Christian philosopher-slash-scientist recently. Dr. Stephen Meyer is most widely known for being one of the top advocates of the universe and DNA being intelligently designed by God and has also been a big voice in speaking out against evolution. The interview was a huge deal because this is the first time a popular Christian apologist has been on Joe Rogan's podcast, a show that gets millions and millions of listeners. This is a great chance to show the millions of people listening that there are great reasons to believe in Christianity. Today, I wanted to offer some quick thoughts and point out one really interesting exchange which will get easily missed by many. I was very impressed by Dr. Meyer's wealth of knowledge on a variety of philosophical arguments for God. Many of Rogan's audience is not used to that kind of intellectual arguments for Christianity, so it was great to hear. Later, I'll be doing an interview with scientist Dr. Zachary Arden, where we will talk about the different things said about science in the Bible and the podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out. Joe Rogan is certainly not an expert philosopher in any regard, so he didn't actually comment on many of the arguments that were made. He did have some interesting counterpoints and questions, though. One question stood out in particular to me. After Meyer mentioned a number of different arguments for God, Rogan asks, Have you ever had someone debate you that you feel like had a very good argument against the things that you believe? Have you ever had someone debate you that you feel like had a very good argument against the things that you believe? For someone like Rogan, who isn't an expert on complicated philosophical arguments, this is a question that makes sense. Maybe Dr. Stephen Meyer can rebut Dr. Meyer's own arguments for Rogan. It also brings up another idea, one that I think Rogan was trying to dig deeper into. I think he was trying to show the audience that Dr. Meyer was biased about Christianity. I mean, literally 30 seconds into the start of the podcast, Rogan was already asking questions which strongly imply he thinks Stephen Meyer is biased. My question to you, like right off the bat, was did you have a notion in your mind already that you were trying to prove? Or was this something that you sort of started to believe upon the preponderance of evidence? Back to the original question. The logic is that many people only want to hear the best arguments for their viewpoint they already agree with. Asking someone what the other person thinks is the greatest objection for their argument can show how serious one is about listening to people they disagree with. If someone doesn't listen to people they disagree with, it's usually a sign they are biased and probably even wrong. If Rogan can make Meyer look biased, he can win over his anti-Christian followers. Understandably, this was frustrating for a lot of Christian listeners. Meyer made some really complicated argument for God's existence, and Rogan starts psychologizing. In some ways, it's like, is Rogan concerned with what's true, or is he looking for ways to make his interviewee look bad? I get it. Maybe this wasn't the right context for the question. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, I don't know. I do think it is a really interesting question, and in that it points out something very important in how we should all talk about the God debate and conversations surrounding Christianity. If we are genuinely looking for truth, if truth is what's most important, 
we should be making a conscious effort to hear the very best argument the other side has. We should be looking for all the different reasons to refute our own views. If we don't, we will never be able to know if we might be missing something. In addition, we have to be conscious of our own bias. Think about Dr. Meyer. He wants Christianity to be true. His entire income, popularity, religion, probably most of his friends, he probably loses all of that if he stops being a Christian. Does Meyer want Christianity to be true so bad that he's willing to accept any argument for God? Or is he willing to actually weigh the arguments for and against and then make a decision? Someone in that situation should pay close attention to see if his bias could be affecting his beliefs. In addition, there's unconscious bias. Many Christian apologists have this idea that atheists are just biased themselves against God. The logic from this perspective is, if these people are biased, they are going to make arguments that are bad, and therefore any argument they give me is probably going to be bad. In this way, we've kind of assumed the conclusion before we've even listened to evidence. These thoughts typically aren't something we actively think about, but it's something we believe based on past experience. If we don't think anyone will give us any good arguments, we aren't going to spend the time to listen to others. And if we do, we might not take the time to understand the arguments and rebut arguments nobody ever made. That's just one example of how unconscious bias can come into play. There are many others, all of which we should be aware of if we want to find truth. So how does Meyer answer the question? I have been in debates with more and less skilled uh, people on the other side. Um, I have had a general experience, a surprising and somewhat gen uh, an experience, a common experience that has been somewhat surprising that many of the people who have debated me about, for example, the theory of intelligent design have come somewhat unprepared to debate the merits of what I actually have proposed or affirm or argue for. They have in their mind typically a kind of stereotypical, cartoonish, young, cartoonish yeah. version of a young earth creationist in white shoes thumping the Bible from the American South or something, mm, you know. Yeah. Um, not that I have anything against the American South. It's just that, you know, there's the stereotype. Sure. There's the sto scope trial stereotypes. And I, I once had a debate on the BBC with uh, Peter Atkins, an Oxford chemist, one of the most prominent scientific atheists. And it's still up online. People can go listen to it. But almost everyone that has told me they've listened to it said he was he was d debating a cartoon caricature of you and was not at all prepared to debate your actual arguments. Yeah. So I've had that happen a lot. People just like to win. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I have, you know, without... But they're, they're, you know, there's good people on the other side. Yeah, I think, you know, sure. I recently had a good conversation with uh, Michael Shermer, who's, you know, the well-known editor of Skeptic Magazine, on uh, on your friend Brian Callen's show. It was, mm -hmm. it was a very good discussion. Um, there was, uh, I've had good discussions with, with Ruse, um, um, a terrific astronomer at University of Washington, Peter Ward. Uh, I my, my own approach to this is I love these deep origins questions. You know, where do we come from? The philosophical questions. And I feel sort of a kind of kinship with anybody who loves those kinds of questions, even if they're, they've come to a different conclusion about the answer to those questions than I have. So I, I tend not to view the people willing to have those discussions, call them debates, as adversaries, but rather as a sort of co-belligerence in, in an exploration. Mm, and, that's a great way to put it. Um, and so I don't, I don't really, I, I tend not to think afterwards about who won and who lost. If, if the host gets good comments because it was a good discussion, I feel that's a win. He first cites how most people don't understand his arguments. In other words, he doesn't answer the question. He then starts talking about how he's had good discussions with people and doesn't see them as adversaries. At this point, I'm thinking maybe he doesn't understand the question. After a few minutes of talking, Rogan notices how he doesn't actually answer the question and therefore asks it a different way. He's probably thinking, okay, maybe Meyer didn't understand the question, so I'll ask it a different way. What I mean is, has anybody ever presented you with an argument that made you reconsider? Has 
anyone ever made an argument that made you reconsider? This is another really interesting question. Uh, the topics Meyer studies are extremely controversial. There are all kinds of different scholarly papers being written every single day on the arguments for God. Most philosophers are atheists. There's lots of Christians who disagree with many of the arguments. There isn't one argument for God that everyone believes is a good argument. Meyer also talks about arguments for intelligent design, which nearly every philosopher and scientist in the world disagrees with. He makes extremely controversial arguments all the time. You know, we aren't rational robots. I'm sure Meyer would admit that. He's not perfect. Surely the people he speaks with make good rebuttals all the time dim. So he should be able to think of a time he changed his mind pretty easily. Right? So what does he say in response to the second question? I've become progressively more confident in the position the longer I've examined it. I didn't start when I started out examining it, I wasn't fully convinced. So there's been a, for me a trend line of greater confidence. There are, you know, there are more and less challenging arguments on the other side. The one that we hear most is intelligent design is not science. The one we hear most is intelligent design is not science. Okay, well, <laughs> that didn't answer the question again. He asks, what made you change your mind? Not what a popular rebuttal is. Of course, Meyer goes on for a whole two minutes rebutting a very weak argument that Rogan didn't ask for. And I say, okay, well, that must presuppose a definition of science. What's your definition of science? And at that point, we usually get crickets because this type of argument is used mainly to shut people up rather than to engage the merits of the argument on the basis of the evidence and the structure of the argument presented. Uh, they're called in the, in the field, uh, they're called demarcation arguments. The idea that there are, you know, and, and this one is based on the assumption that if you're invoking a cause which is not materialistic, then it's by definition not science. Um, okay, well then let's call it something different. What I found in my PhD research was that when people investigate questions of origins, they are in, they're investigating questions that have both a scientific and a philosophical dimension. There's evidence that bears on the question, but whatever conclusion they draw is going to have larger implications for philosophy and worldview. If you can show that life arose by a under, completely undirected chemical evolutionary process, um, you're going to be more inclined toward a more materialistic worldview. You're going to say matter and energy are sufficient to explain how everything got here. If, as I think, the evidence of digital code in the DNA molecule and a complex information storage and processing system and those nifty developmental gene regulatory circuits I was telling you about, if, if those kinds of phenomena in life point as I think they do to a mind, a pre-existing mind, after all, it takes a program to make a, a programmer, it takes a programmer to make a program, and if we've got something like software programming in DNA, we're looking at a strong indicator of a mind. If, if that's a good argument, then that has different metaphysical implications. That's going to point more in a theistic direction. So these origins questions have an incorrigibly philosophical dimension. You, you can't get away from that. And that's what makes them interesting and exciting. That's not something that makes them inherently off limits to discussion. But too many scientists on the materialist side of the ledger have wanted to say, unless it's a materialistic answer, I'm not going to consider it. I'm not going to talk to you. And I'm going to use a pejorative term to stigmatize your point of view. And I, I, in the end, I don't think it works because what we care about is not how you classify the idea. We don't care whether in the, the evidence, for, whether intelligent design is science or philosophy or metaphysics or what I think it is, which is a form of historical science. It's, an, it's a conclusion that comes from historical scientific reasoning that has metaphysical implications. But that's not what's important how we classify it. What's important is whether or not it's true. And when we say when we're talking about metaphysical, we're... Rogan apparently gave up getting Meyer to answer his question and then goes on to another tangent. Now, it's possible that Meyer just wasn't ready for that question. Maybe he's nervous and can't think quickly. Maybe he doesn't have good memory of his debates or something. All that is theoretically possible. It's impossible for me to know why exactly he didn't answer the question. Maybe he thought Rogan was asking only specifically about public debates and not, you know, private debates with your friends.
of course, Myers only debated a number of people, so maybe it makes sense that he's never changed his mind because there aren't many to go off of. On the other hand, if he didn't answer because the number of times he has changed his mind is very few, and that's why he can't remember, well, that's a huge red flag. There could be a number of not-so-good reasons for him not remembering, such as him not talking to people who he disagrees with, or when he does talk to them, he doesn't actually listen to counter-arguments. Or maybe even worse, he doesn't care about truth and literally wouldn't change his mind about anything no matter what it is. Either way, this is a huge red flag. The arguments that Meyer gave in this podcast were extremely complicated. How can we expect to trust that Meyer is accurately presenting the best arguments for a position if he never changes his mind or isn't aware of the best rebuttals? To be fair to him, he mentions how there is good and bad responses, but doesn't go to any detail of them. To be fair to him, it's possible Meyer was taking Rogan's question super literally and therefore wasn't avoiding the question at all. Rogan technically asked if there was a time he changed his mind. He never actually told Meyer to tell him about the time. Theoretically, it's possible that I misunderstood the question. All that to say, I can't confidently claim why Meyer appears to not answer Rogan's question. This is one reason why I think psychologizing like this is typically a terrible idea. There can be an infinite amount of reasons why one might say something they said. What I can say with confidence is that it doesn't look good for the atheists listening, and it shouldn't look good for us Christian fans either. More importantly, this should be a wake-up call for all of us. If truth is our primary priority, we have to be conscious of our biases. We need to be honest with ourselves when we come across a good argument. It doesn't mean we are wrong about God or Christianity. Maybe we just need to rethink things a little. But I can guarantee you there will be something we are wrong about if we don't ask questions like this to ourselves. Challenge yourself. Don't just do things that make you feel comfortable. Ask yourself questions that are difficult, like, what is one time you heard of a really good rebuttal to a view you held? When was the last time you changed your mind about something? If never, why is that? Anyways, make sure to subscribe to this video if you want to hear more reviews of the Meyer podcast. Meyer made a lot of arguments against evolution, some of which a layperson like myself just doesn't know much about. Next time, I'll be talking with a scientist to help make the arguments against evolution a little bit more understandable.